Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Jennifer Blumberg from Next Solutions in Seattle. I'm Ryan Ireland from ryanireland.com. That was not your fault, Jennifer. Ryan was supposed to cue in there. And today we have on Michael Jackson, <laughs> entrepreneur, co-author of Remix.run. In a former life, I believe somehow involved in something called React Router. How are you doing, Michael? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. And today we want to talk about this new creation of yours. Am I correct to list you as co-author of Remix.run? Is that how you want to be identified here? Sure, man. Yeah, that, right. that, that, that works great. So if you were at a private airstrip in Memphis, Tennessee, on a nice sultry afternoon, you're out there with a colleague who wanted to take you up in his private plane, and you had visions of this beautiful jet with cocktails, everything. You walk out onto the tarmac, and you see this plane sitting there that looks like it could be abandoned on a beach somewhere in, in the old TV show Lost. It has experimental written in huge letters on the side of the plane. As you walk around it, you see that the center stick appears to be a cutoff broomstick that's sitting in the middle. And there's duct tape all around the edges of the plane. You look at him a little bit nervously and he says, hey, look, are you ready to go up in the plane or would you rather tell me about Remix.run? What would you say? I would say, let's go for a flight. Yeah, let's do it, man. (laughs) (laughs) He looks at you and says, are you crazy? You're going up in this thing? No, no. I want to know. I want you to tell me what Remix.run is. Yeah, so. I love your story and I want to actually touch on that. But if, if I had to give you just two sentences for what Remix Run is, I, I would basically say Remix is a web framework for building awesome websites that are based on web standards. And it is really an extension of React Router, which is a project that we've been working on since 2014, which sounds a little weird to say now that we've been working on that thing for eight years. But wow, but we totally have. Yeah, React came onto the scene in 2013. Nobody remembers remembers it now, but at that time in 2013, everybody hated React. I was working at Twitter at the time. I had a boss who was really, really well respected in the industry. And I remember he he attended JSConf where they talked about React for the very first time. And I remember him tweeting something like, because you, when you work at Twitter, all of your communicate, you, you cease talking to people face to face. All of your communication is just tweets. <laughs> so anyway, I remember him tweeting something to the effect of HTML and JavaScript. Are we really back to this? you know, because they showed the sort of JSX syntax. And I remember that was sort of the reaction that a lot of people had to react at that time. So a lot of people just missed it, including me. We all missed the boat in 2013 when it first came along. I think there are a decent number of people that still dismiss it. It all depends on where you're coming from, right? So yeah. Yeah. One of the, the fun things about web development is there are a wide variety of ways that you can approach building the same thing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're, we're just taking some data and we're forming some HTML and we're getting it to the browser somehow mm-hmm. so it can render it. But you mentioned two things in one sentence that I have rarely heard used together, which is web standards and React. You use ah. those two words together in the same yeah. sentence. Now, yeah. some of the developers that are, are listening are probably from a more traditional background where maybe they're using a PHP framework or a CMS that the request comes into the server, it renders the page, maybe it's using a templating language, and then it goes back to the browser. Mm-hmm. And if they use JavaScript, it's just to sprinkle a little bit of interaction in there. And then you have other developers that are listening that are full on the JavaScript framework bandwagon. They're using React or they're using Vue and maybe they're using a framework like Nuxt or Next along with it. And potentially they're using something like Gatsby, which Mm -hmm. is pre-rendering all of the pages ahead of time. Mm -hmm. We're still doing the same work, right? So if we're doing something like Gatsby where we're using a Jamstack approach and it's pre-rendering all of the pages, everything needs to be rendered, but it's being done either on a build server or on your local development machine or something like that. If you're using a PHP framework, it comes in and maybe there's a templating language like Twig or or Blade for Laravel, and it renders the page and and delivers it. How does Remix fit into this in terms of, so first of all, why are there, why did you say web standards along with React? (laughs) And then secondly, how does Remix fit into this where stuff is done and how stuff is rendered thing? I'm I'm a little confused. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for asking. First of all, I want to say that I 100% sympathize with anybody who feels the way that you do. Web standards, React, people, the React team, for example, has been very slow to include really good support for web components. You know, there are lots of things that about React that a lot of web standards advocates just really don't like. One thing that I do to sort of keep myself grounded, because I, I, to be honest, I love React, but one thing that I do to sort of keep myself grounded and keep in touch with a lot of the industry is is I, I love to talk to people who don't feel the same way that I do about it. One of those 
people is Alex Russell, who's a, a developer advocate over at Google. And so I've been kind of like DMing him about Remix and the stuff that we're doing to just kind of try and make sure that we're not going too much off the rails. And I was really actually really, really happy to see recently when he tweeted, he said, you know, I'm actually really aligned with what the people at Remix are doing. Mm. The thing that I, I don't use React because I hate the web. I use I, like I, I've I've been developing for the web long before React ever came along. Um, Michael, very, why do you hate the web? <laughs> the, the very first thing I ever built for the <laughs> web was back in 2008. It was this thing called Shadowbox. It was it was actually one of the very first light boxes. So nowadays you see the the modal thing and you click an image or whatever and the modal pops up. Nowadays they're 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 super annoying because lots of times they'll do it when you you know you mouse off the document or whatever. This modal pops up. It's super annoying. But uh, but Shadowbox was actually one of the very first ones that it actually came along. So that was anyway, I just I'm just trying to say like, I've been around for a while and been developing websites for a long time long before react came along. The reason I like to use react is because it's capability for managing state, right? Um, I, I just love the virtual DOM. And I love the ability to build a component that's got a little bit of state and then the com- the ability to compose them together. And we I don't think have the to th- visceral reaction to react like the people that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. who have a negative impression of either react or view or any of these front-end frameworks, like you can kind of lump them all together, is they are coming from the experience where they have loaded a page Mm -hmm. and it was done in React. It's a, maybe it's a marketing brochure page and they see nothing but white as they load the page because this massive amount of JavaScript is coming down the pike. The actual HTML Mm -hmm. is just div ID equals app, right? So, and then that's all there is. And the experience is terrible because that's where it originally, you know, this was dialing back many years ago. There are lots of different ways that it can be used now, but I think some people, that was their first impression, is these all client-side React-based applications for sites that there was no reason for it to be that way. But it sounds like Remix is taking a a different approach to this, right? It's not all, this is not just a framework layered on top of React that renders everything inside of your browser, right? Yeah, exactly. So I actually sympathize with those people as well. The the web shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't have an empty body tag and a bunch of spinners while you wait for your data to load. This is the whole reason we're building Remix is because we love React, but a lot of the tools out there for building websites with React, you end up with a something like what you just described, right? You end up with a blank page, you end up with a bunch of spinners, you end up with megabytes of JavaScript. Yep. Re- React is this very capable tool that you can build really, really terrible experiences with. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also build, I'll point out, really great experiences with it, but it turns out you need some kind of bumpers in the bowling lane to guide you a little bit with it. So our philosophy really is don't abandon the web. Use the web for what it's good at. Remix is a server rendered framework. So at the very, very minimal end of Remix, we like to say Remix scales up and it scales down. All the way down at the bottom end, if you want to scale it all the way back, uh, you don't even have to have JavaScript on the page at all in Remix. Oh, so and- we're, we're talking about a framework yeah. that uses React yeah. and it can render a page that when someone loads it, there's no JavaScript on it? Yeah, absolutely. So so in that situation, we would just be using React for the server render. We just generate a bunch of HTML, kick it out. That's great. But it's not, ju- we don't stop there. There's this weird, you know, people talk about the back end and the front end. People talk about apps that are full stack. One thing that we've started saying about Remix is that we feel like we're center stack. What does that mean? So Remix actually... Since we know about the full stack, Remix will actually give you things like our data abstractions, both for data reading and data writing, are fully based on web standards. So our, our for example, our data mutations API is completely based around HTML forms. Uh, what does that mean? That means even if you do scale it all the way back, scale Remix all the way down and don't have any JavaScript on the page at all, our data mutations API still works because it's based on HTML forms, right? Now, so, just, we, so just like an old school PHP framework or CMS, if you have a bunch of fields where you're going to change stuff, there are going to be a bunch of inputs with values Mm -hmm. and a form and you hit submit Mm -hmm. and it goes to the server and something happens. It's not this crazy JavaScripty thing that's going on, Mm -hmm. you know, with an XHR to some GraphQL Mm -hmm. endpoint, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that that's how Remix works too? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it scales all the way back that that way. But that's not where Remix really shines. But absolutely, you can do it that way. The the nice thing is, and the the reason that we describe ourselves 
ourselves a center stack is that as you start to scale it up and as you start to add some interactivity to the page, let's say you wanted to do like a bit of optimistic UI. I just created a new record in the database and I want to show it in the page immediately after they click the submit button. I don't want to wait until I know for sure that that record has been saved. I'm going to be optimistic and just assume that the save succeeded. Right. So of course, you're going to need some JavaScript on the page to do that. So what do you have to do in order to get that on the page? Do you have to completely change your programming model? So in Remix, all, all you do is you you add the scripts component to the page, which now says, okay, now React is on the page and now we're going to hydrate. Your HTML didn't didn't actually change, but now we're all you did was insert one little scripts element into the page. Now you're fully hydrated and now your components can come to life. So now they have state, client-side state, and you can do client-side routing. So in that situation, we would give you, you wanted to do some optimistic UI, we would give you the little, the hook is called a use transition, uh, which would let you know, you know, as soon as the form is submitted, it lets you know things like the state of the transition transition that, you know, are we are we still waiting on the response from the server or not? What was the data that we submitted to the server when we get the response back? What does the response look like so that we can manage a, a nice little optimistic UI there? So um, you used a term that I just want to make sure we clarify before we continue, yeah. which is hydrating. Yeah. So let me see if I can explain this and you tell me where I've got it wrong. But okay. essentially, if you're rendering a React component on the server, you have the state of that component and it will render its HTML and great, you deliver it to the client and the client will have have maybe the same React component there, but it doesn't have the state, right? You return the HTML, but you didn't return the data that was used to render that HTML. My understanding that the hydration part of things is taking the data that was used to render the server-side component, sending it along to the client, and allowing that data to then be in the JavaScript component that is in the client. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So the hydrate step is basically where React takes a look at the HTML that the server sent back and takes a look at at the HTML that when you say hydrate, it, you basically regenerate a virtual DOM or a virtual representation of all the elements that should be in the page. And it just sort of looks at the two and says, is HTML that was sent from the server, is that consistent with what the developer is now telling me that the page should look like? Yeah, um, and Jennifer is someone who was coming from doing more traditional websites using Craft CMS, which uses PHP as a backend and mm -hmm. then has a templating language called Twig. Mm -hmm. And she has recently been, I say recently, the last couple of years, has been doing some things with Nuxt, which is very similar to Next. JS. Mm -hmm. And I remember, Jennifer, we had a, a conversation where you looked at what was going on. You like looked at the source and you saw the, the HTML in there, but you also saw this window object, which just had this massive JSON array of data in it that was delivered as part of the, the whole package. And that was the basically the state data that was used to hydrate the entire page. So you would have, you would have your HTML, you would have your JavaScript, and you would also have this massive JSON data object and it would all be part of the response that comes in. And, and Jennifer, do you remember that when you kind of discovered that and the, the fact that that actual hydration step actually can be blocking and can take time? Yeah, I do remember that. And that, that was a couple of years ago now. And I think we were looking at Next.js, not so much Nuxt. Or I, maybe I don't remember. As in 99% of the front-end frameworks that I've been working with in the last couple of years has been with Next.js. And yeah, I mean, I was making comfortable PHP apps for years and years with a light sprinkling of JavaScript when I absolutely had to and was sort of dragged kicking and screaming into the Jamstack world. <laughs> um, and it, it got a lot better actually over time, especially as Next.js improved and then TypeScript became a thing. And now I'm sort of comfy in that world. And when I discovered Remix and I almost despaired because I thought, oh no, <laughs> why do we need another JavaScript framework and what's going on? And and I've sort of dragged my team as well into the Next.js world. And and now it's now you're telling me that this is not the way. There there is another way. And <laughs> This is the way now? Is that is that what I'm hearing here? So if you look at the next approach, they don't talk about progressive enhancement. They, they never talk about it because it doesn't exist. It's not something that they place a lot of emphasis on or, or or even think about. In the situation that you just described, right, if the hydrate takes a long time, or even if you're you're using the app and you're on a train and you go into a tunnel and the JavaScript fails to load, or you're on a mobile device and the JavaScript fails to load for some reason, or the hydrate takes forever and they've already tapped a button, and your next app, that doesn't work your app totally fails. That's right? when you see if the window's on the train open so you can pitch your phone out the window. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, right? In a Remix app, or, or really just in a progressively enhanced app, let's back up one step. In a progressively enhanced app where all you're doing is using JavaScript to enhance the user experience, everything that you need
need to know or everything that you need to do is already available before JavaScript is even parsed or, or loaded. So if you want to tap that button or tap a link or submit a form or, or, or do whatever, interact with the page in some way, it's still going to work. You're not going to have the enhanced experience because the page has been progressively enhanced. So the, the interaction is still going to work as long as you can actually download the HTML. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying essentially is, yeah, there is a different approach. There is a better approach than what Next and Gatsby have traditionally prescribed. And it's the progressively enhanced approach that we're by default using in Remix. So in order to put this into a mental mind space that makes sense to me, I've been thinking about Remix and how I would categorize it. Because it's not a new front-end framework necessarily. It's leveraging React. The way that I have been couching it is that it's more similar to Laravel on the PHP side. And Laravel is essentially a bunch of components that you can use together. It will do things like routing. It will. It has a templating engine for rendering things. In Remix's case, let's just simplify it and call React the templating engine. I realize it's more than that. I know that state is a huge part of it. But it really seems like it is something that you kind of nestle React into along with your custom code, and it takes care of a lot of the hard things for you. So it feels kind of like a web framework like Laravel, but using JavaScript and using the superpower that only JavaScript has, which is that it is isomorphic. So I want to ask you, Michael, is isomorphic JavaScript a good term? Because I <laughs> stumbled upon a blog post from you from 2015 oh, gosh. where you said you didn't like the term isomorphic JavaScript. So why don't you tell us what it is and, and whether you still don't like it or not? You know, I, I, I'm an idiot. Don't, 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 don't pay any attention to that post. <laughs> I, I committed the universal sin, I feel like, that everybody tries to do when they try and invent something new and they're really just adding to the pile. Oh, that's um, something I've seen over and over again. So again, <laughs> I, I'm coming from development from a little bit of a different background. I was a iOS yeah. and Mac developer for a long time. Yeah. And then I got into web development and I learned a whole bunch about server-side frameworks like PHP and Ruby and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then I've been doing a bunch with front-end frameworks. And the, the thing that I've been noticing over and over again is things are getting reinvented in JS land that have been yeah. around in other ecosystems for forever. And they yeah. just get some fancy new name. But but yeah. tell us what isomorphic JavaScript is. So this actually, you talked a little bit about Laravel. You talked to, you know, about isomorphic JS. So this really gets to the point of what I was, something I was saying earlier is why we kind of describe ourselves as center stack, right? Because, because React was, React was kind of born on the, the front end. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if you worked at Facebook, uh, you know, all of their HTML is generated using their PHP stack, uh, but they wanted to sort of enrich the front end of things. They're not generating their views with Node.js at, at Facebook. So they're not running isomorphic JavaScript there. It's it's a PHP backend. Um, I, I feel like some developer in there or maybe some higher up was just like, you know what? We can save a ton of money on servers. Let's just put all of the work on all of the clients in that all are the using our stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's great, right? So React Router also, likewise, the project that, that Remix is built on, which by the way is being used by a, a lot of people, right? So yep. some people say like, well, oh yeah, Next.js. Like React Router actually has three times the usage of Next.js. All of Next.js has a lot more usage than Vue. And I'm not trying to brag here. I'm just trying to give you like some sense of the, the scale that we're already at with Remix. A lot of the people who are using Remix, we estimate that just based on NPM downloads, about seven out of 10 people who are using React DOM are building with React Router. So we're coming from a background of years of experience of building apps on the front end with React Router. And what is React Router doing for you? Well, it's it's giving you things like, you know, it's it's helping you build really fancy apps. If you've used the Netflix.com app or the Twitter app or a lot of stuff from Airbnb, that Shopify is using React Router, GitHub's using React Router. A lot of the apps that you use all the time, these client-side apps are built using React Router. And what Remix is doing is Remix is saying, what would a full stack app look like, a progressively enhanced web app look like if we if we did this isomorphic thing, right? We know how to do stuff on the client. We know how to do stuff on the client. We've been doing it for years. What does it look like? And what kind of optimizations can we unlock if we go back to the server and, and we own now the full stack? Um, and so Remix gives you things like, we'll give you the bundler, we'll give you the compiler, we'll give you things like cookies and database and session storage. We'll give you things like full control over the HTTP output, the headers and the, the HTTP 
HTML, the streaming, all of that kind of stuff. So when you do have full control over over both sides of the stack, you can do some really cool stuff. And this is this is, I think, why a lot of SSG apps or while kind of the existing state of JavaScript frameworks, you know, Gatsby and Next have really promoted they've and they've pushed pretty hard for for SSG. And what you do when you're taking that approach is you're essentially doing a lot of stuff at build time, right? And there's and there's only so much that you can know right. about what should be on the page at build time. You don't know who's using your app. You don't know what the request looks like. You don't know what the session is. You don't know any of that stuff at build time. All you know is the data that's in your database already. And so you only really know half the story. So so what you end up doing is you end up sending a lot of blank pages. You end up sending a lot of spinners. <laughs> Like, hold on, we, we, you know, we're gonna we're we're gonna find out who's using our app once they actually request the page, and then we'll know what to show them. Then we'll know what products to put in once they punch the uh, the query into the search bar. Then we'll know what to put in the in the product page. But at build time, we have no clue what to put in the product page. You know that kind of thing. And so what Remix does is Remix says, okay, we're gonna go really full stack here. We're gonna generate the full HTML response at request time. We're gonna know exactly what that search query looks like. We're gonna fetch the list of products from the the database. We're going to put it in the HTML. Here you go. By the way, you don't need to hydrate that page if you don't want to. You don't need to get into the hydrate step. You can scale it all the way down. Or if you do want to scale it back up, yeah, throw some JavaScript on the page, have a nice transition, have some optimistic UI, do your Ajax thing, do whatever you want to do. I was telling you earlier, I've been in this industry a while. I was at Twitter in 2012 when we launched a new version of Twitter.com. Um, I don't know how long y'all have been using Twitter. For me, it's been a, a, a lifelong vice. <laughs> I always <laughs> I always tell my partner, Ryan, I'm like, I will know that I am successful the day that I can delete my Twitter account. And I hope you and I are all in real life friends because that day is is going to come for me someday. But anyway, I was at Twitter <laughs> in 2012 and there was a team at Twitter that built this thing called New Twitter. And it was like, ooh, New Twitter. What's New Twitter? New Twitter was completely client side rendered. New mm. Twitter was an empty body tag nice. with a div in there that said, here's the root. Good luck. And what we didn't realize at Twitter at that point in time is that there were people, I mean, think about mobile phones in 2012. Think about how much JavaScript you could run on your iPhone V2. It was a terrible experience for so many people. Basically, anybody who wasn't on a really nice, fast connection had a terrible experience with the Twitter web app. Luckily, we had the, you know, Twitter's tried to kill itself many times, but it, it's still, it, it keeps going. So what did we do? We immediately reverted back and then we published a blog post in 2012 that said, hey, Twitter's going back to server rendering. And it was like this lag in the ground. Client rendering does doesn't work. We're going back to server rendering. And I had always wished ever since that point in time, that was 10 years ago, I've wished that I had this magic lever that I could use because I don't want to go one way or the other. I don't want to go fully old school HTML apps all the time, but I don't want to go two megabyte payload of JavaScript fancy pants apps all the time either. But sometimes I kind of do, right? I want I want a nice, easy lever, a nice way that I can say, okay, what does this app need? What app am I building? Am I building Netflix.com or am I building a dev blog? Please tell me, like, what does this app need? And, and that's one thing that we're doing with Remix is you can scale it all the way back and keep JavaScript off the page. You can scale it way up and put a lot of JavaScript on the page. It just, just really depends on what you're building. So Michael, you mentioned something that I found really funny is that Ryan and I have talked about the idea of tourist devs they're sort of developers that whenever the new shiny thing comes out, they're immediately jumping on it and, you know, yeah. doing stuff in it. Yeah. And inevitably what you see is all they make from it is a developer blog. They're like, this thing's awesome. Yeah, right, and I'm right. like, well, you all you built was like a blog that, with a couple of blog posts that probably won't be updated in But it's using years. Phoenix Live View, isn't it? Or whatever, or whatever, <laughs> whatever it's using, yeah. But the reason I thought in my mind that Remix was a little bit more like Laravel is that you do have access to all that kind of stuff. You've got the headers, you've got data database connectors. So you've got all of this infra that makes it easier for developers to kind of nestle in there and build their thing. But the big thing that you have, which is the superpower, which is this thing called isomorphic JavaScript, right? Yeah. I'm going to attempt to define that. Isomorphic JavaScript is just JavaScript that it will run on the client. You basically, you write it once and it will run on the client and it will run on the server. That's all it is, right? Isomorphic just means it runs in both places, which is something you cannot do with a framework like Laravel. It just doesn't yeah. work. You can't run 
well, there is a terrible way you can do it, but you really, <laughs> l- let's just say you can't Compile run Compile your PHP to JavaScript. Come on, Andrew. It's a thing that exists. I don't even want to <laughs> give it time, but it does exist that in theory you could do that, but you, you don't, don't do that. It's terrible. But what's that the is difference? The- Sorry. What's the difference between that, what Remix is doing, just so I understand, because yeah. I've never heard center stack before. It, yeah. I think it maybe makes sense, but you have, let's say a normal React app without any framework other than just React. Then yeah. you have some Node.js backend that's processing something and you're fetching data from it. Maybe it's a CMS. Mm-hmm. Is that isomorphic JavaScript? Well, I think what Andrew's describing, yeah, I think it, the, the idea is if I had a component, like a React component that generates some HTML, mm-hmm. I can run that in Node.js and I can kick out some HTML and say, here, Jen, here's an HTML string, run that in the browser. And, and without actually sending any JavaScript to the browser at all, right? So it's running in one spot. But then I could also actually ship the JavaScript to the browser and then say, use state in that component. And now you're clicking the button and you're seeing the interaction right there in the component without going to talk to the server at all. So same component runs in two different mm. spots is a, what's isomorphic about it. So you don't need Node.js in this case. That's a great question, Jen. I'm glad you said, I'm glad you said that. So you, yeah, no, you, you, you could build a fully client-side app without Node.js. Yeah, you could, you could serve your app out of Laravel with use PHP on the server, load up React in the browser, and then boom. But to Andrew's point, that's not really isomorphic because you, you had to write that component twice. You yep. know, you wrote it once in PHP and you wrote it once in React. And I said that your question was a really great question because one other trick that Remix does, and this is something that like we haven't even talked about yet, and this is a total tangent, but it might be interesting to some people who are listening to the podcast, is that Remix runs on Node.js but what we are seeing increasingly in, in the industry today is we are seeing a proliferation of JavaScript runtimes, right? Yep. So you have different cloud providers that are building things like Cloudflare Workers yep. or Fastly Compute at Edge or AWS is building Lambda at Edge or I wouldn't be surprised if Shopify or one of the other big companies decided to create their own JavaScript runtime that was just a V8 isolate that was not Node.js. And so we actually built, uh, so Dino actually is a really exciting project that was from yeah. the creator of Node that's not Node.js. Remix actually runs in in all of them. So nice. we built, so it's not just we run on the server and the client. We will literally run on any JavaScript runtime, any server JavaScript runtime, and any client runtime. So uh, setting up your server could be as simple as setting up a CloudFront function. I mean, they, they, we'll just run it in there. Yeah, absolutely. We can run the whole thing in, we can run the whole server in, in a Cloudflare worker. Now, here's where it gets really trippy because we're just using the browser primitives. So we polyfill a bunch of the browser primitives to actually run them on Node.js. So our server, if you go and look through our, our server runtime code, it's just using fetch and headers and request and response and a bunch of these APIs that are actually available in the browser. We don't rely on any Node.js primitives. So we're working on something right now, which is a version of the Remix server that runs in a service worker, mm. which as you know, runs in the browser, right? Same programming model. So so this is this is kind of like taking the, the whole idea of isomorphic and expanding on it. Because traditionally, to be honest, right, Andrew, isomorphic meant Node.js and browser. Yep. That's what it meant. Nowadays, it means lots of different JavaScript runtimes on the server. You've got this service worker thing, which is this mixture of both. It's a server that runs in your browser and you've got the browser. So it's, I don't even know what the word is for that. I know what maybe, the word maybe is. Maybe we, we need a new we, word. <laughs> we've got a new word. We're developers. That's all we do is we come up with crazy new words. This is now known as megamorphic JavaScript. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, so I said I was an idiot for writing that article, but there really was something there. I wrote this thing and I said, hey, this is, we should call it universal JavaScript mm. because this JavaScript really runs in so many different places. People are, and we're seeing it now. We're seeing people who are taking JavaScript and just running it everywhere. So that's that's what I was trying to get at. But obviously uh, we've already said, I just added Let, let me take a step back for a second. So we're old school developers. Yeah. We wrote some HTML. Maybe we used a templating language, but we really found that we needed JavaScript to be able to do some of the fancy things in the client. There's no other choice. We got to do it. Yeah. And then we found, well, you know what? The more complicated stuff we're making, this state management stuff is really, really useful. Maybe we would start using React and the client just for the, the state management, but still the rest of our app would be server side. This ends up being super painful because you have state on the front end mm-hmm. and then you have state on the back end mm-hmm. and who's responsible for what? Like this is the most contentious part of doing it. So I get mm-hmm. why initially React developers were just like, let's just put everything in the client because it's just mm-hmm. much easier to do that. Mm-hmm. And then there are frameworks like Nuxt and Next that make it a little bit easier to handle that state between things, but still it ends up being complicated. 
users. So I think what developers are trying to solve is having a unified state and having a unified rendering model so that no matter whether it needs to be client side because it has to be done via JavaScript or it's better off being done server side, there's one state that you can deal with. Now, you mentioned briefly earlier, Livewire, that's something that is taking it the other way. Let's say we're going to have minimal JavaScript on the front end. Mm -hmm. The server is going to do everything and it's just going to return raw HTML that gets inserted. That's their approach to kind of simplifying the mental model of having one state and one thing that renders stuff. And it sounds like Remix is taking a little bit different approach and it's saying, let's leverage the fact that JavaScript is isomorphic, that we can run it in all these crazy places. It's not just isomorphic, it's megamorphic. We can run it in service workers, we can do all that stuff. This lets us write our components once and have one state. And then our life is so much easier because I have developed these hybrid applications that have front-end JavaScript frameworks that are married to some other kind of random back-end system. And man, it is painful having to juggle the state between the two or having to write the same component twice, like you're, you're saying. Is that mm -hmm. something that Remix is really looking to address here? Yeah, so I, I'm glad that you're talking about state. One thing that I just want to kind of point out and discuss is that we don't really care where you keep your state. And I know that sounds a little bit scary because most frameworks kind of have an opinion on this. Like you were saying, Livewires, we're going to make the client as thin as possible. We really prefer to keep the state on the server. You can build a Remix app that way and and say, you know what, we're, we're not going to do much state on the client at all. But what if your app requires it? What if you want to build an app like that? Then then you have to find another framework. Then you have to, okay, out with, if you're very opinionated about that, you're going to cater to some kind of apps, but then for other kinds of apps, you're just not going to be a good fit. Well, most developers, what I see them do in these cases is they get out their hammer and they're saying, nope, I'm using this thing. And they just pound it and pound it until yeah, yeah. they end up with some kind of semblance of something that does what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you end up with a, a poor user experience, usually because you're using the wrong tool for the job, right? Or you end up with something that is, you know, it's been hammered to do something it's not great at doing. So you end up with yeah. a code base that isn't super fun to work with. Yeah. So developers look at it and think, well, that's not how it's supposed to work. Why are you doing that? So one of the, you're right, managing state is, is tricky, right? So in Remix, you've got lots of different places that you can do it, right? You can manage state in your database. You can have state in the cookies. You can have a client side state. It really just depends on where your state actually needs to be. Part of this whole idea of us being center stack is is we're trying to actually alleviate some of that pain for you. So one of the things that we do, for example, is we know about mutations. Mutations are post, put, delete requests that go to your server. And the way that React Router works is you have these nested routes. So if you picture a, a typical UI, picture the GitHub UI, where you have your global nav, and then your repo nav, and then a file system browser, right? So you've got like a couple of nested boxes on the page. So, you know, if you, or if you're like on your settings page, then you have a more even more nested boxes. We would represent all of these nested boxes in React Router with different routes, different nested routes on the page. So let's say you make a, a mutation in your settings page, and you make a mutation in this box that's nested deep down in the page, but then that causes some state to change on the server that actually needs to be reflected up here in the global nav. Maybe some count or some, you've got like a, a count of unread messages or something, right? And you're and you're down here in this, this nested route and you're reading messages. You know, that's, it's typically kind of difficult to, to think about managing those different kinds of, uh, of state. So one thing that we do with Remix is when you do mutations on the server, we have these things called loaders, which are attached to each of your routes. And these loaders are responsible for providing data, and which is essentially you know, state, to each section of the page. So if you make a mutation, we'll actually go and behind the scenes, we'll just refresh the data for the routes that need it as a result of that mutation. So lots of times a state that you would have to manage yourself, client side, you would have to say, okay, I, I know I just made a mutation. I know I just read this message. I need to go and decrement the, the unread message count in the global nav. I will automatically take care of doing stuff like that for you. And it's completely decoupled. You read the message, the unread message count for the global nav in the loader for that section of the page uh, without worrying about anything else that was going on the page. But we detected that, hey, there was a mutation. So that state for the views that are on the page probably needs to be updated. So let's go and, and fetch some fresh state from the server. Obviously, you can opt out of that if, if you don't want it. But it's just one of the ways that Remix is actually kind of taking this center stack approach and saying, you know, we know that it, managing state is hard. We're going to try and help you out a little bit. You've got state on the server. You've got state in the client. We're going to try and help you keep fresh state on the page without it getting stale. So let's say I'm a developer and I'm listening to this and I say, this sounds interesting, but I want to know what 
knowledge I need to have that I need to bring to the table before remix.run might be right for me? It sounds like I probably need to know JavaScript. Do I need to know React as well? And how well do I need to know it? Do I need to know how to set up an express server? Because that sounds exotic to me. That's something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. What collection of knowledge do I need to know before Remix is something you would reasonably recommend and say, yes, you're ready to go. You can try using this thing. So yeah, JavaScript is definitely, uh, JavaScript or TypeScript is definitely going to help you out. You should probably have a decent understanding of how to write some JSX which is obviously an extension of, of JavaScript. JSX is essentially HTML inside of JavaScript, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's basically like this little syntax extension that they made so they could write stuff that looks like HTML and React. React is the only supported front end that we have right now, but we are actively working on making our front end more generic so that we can support different front ends because I know that some people would prefer to use Preact or some people would prefer to use Vue or whatever on the front end. And, and when it comes to building out your, your Vue layer, I want you to be able to use whatever you want to use. But yeah, so yeah, right now you'd have to know some React. And we're working on this last piece, which is experienced developers, yeah, can they can make their own server adapter and they can run it on Express or they can run it on AWS or they can run it on Cloudflare, wherever they want. We're working on, and we're actually getting very, very close to launching a new feature where it'll be a lot easier for you to spin up a new Remix app on any stack that you want. Because part of the problem that we're having right now is Remix is so flexible and there are so many options (laughs) that it's kind of hard for somebody new coming into it to say, oh, I know exactly what needs to be done. So we're actively working on solving that problem. But yeah, it helps if you're familiar with, currently it helps if you're familiar with some kind of uh, server runtime, whether that be probably the most common one will be Express on Node.js, but we even support a lot more exotic runtimes as well if you're interested in playing around with that stuff. So Ryan has been over there listening to this. He's been digesting his avocados. For some reason, he always eats two and only two avocados. Uh, I'm not sure why. Ryan, I want to get you in here and see if you have any thoughts on Remix or any questions that you might have had that have come up while you've been listening to Michael talk. Sure. So I do not currently work in the React world. So I think the some of the, the technical details are not as much interest to me right now, except for kind of the overall philosophy of the project. So Michael, mm. I'm definitely more um, old school in the sense that I was part of and participated in the original web standards movement of the early 2000s. Nice. And I think that what I've seen is, especially as the JavaScript frameworks have taken hold, is that we've had developers retreat back into two different corners. One was mm-hmm. the corner of hand-coded HTML HTML pages and hand-coded CSS or die. And the other one was we're just going to pave over all the web technology that has existed in browsers and we and all the specs. And we're just going to just ignore it all and just use this big honking JavaScript delivered payload to your browser. Mm-hmm. This seems like this is a place where both can meet. And I'm curious why your philosophy is to honor the original web technology. Like, is there something in you as one of the, the founders of this that influenced you to want to not pave over all of the web tech and kind of force this whole new paradigm, but really honor it and leverage it and be so progressively enhanced and backwards compatible to just forms on a page? Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate the question and I appreciate your perspective. I, I have to say that I, I think our approach is influenced a lot by the perspective that we have. One of the reasons earlier why I was talking about just how big React Router is, Mm -hmm. is because I think when you have a project that is used by literally millions of people all over the world, you do gain some perspective. We have many, many times people trying to build things with React Router in emerging markets, places where people just don't have access to the best technology. You cannot build a good experience for those people using a lot of this SSG, like Jamstack sort of approach. Mm -hmm. Like you, you just, you have to you have to go with progressive enhancement. That's the reason that that we were talking about it a lot in the earlier 2000s. But yeah, it's it's completely gone out the window in the last five years. With you know, ever since React came on the scene, it seems like a, just, you just don't hear people talking about it. You, you hear the professionals talking about it though. You people hear that people, are working at scale, right? It sounds yeah. like is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the people who are working at scale are still talking about it. They yep. still recognize that it's better to use image source set than it is to use a bunch of JavaScript and intersection observer to to serve of images. They're paying attention to the network tab. I mean, the network tab, if, if you go to remix.run, we have a little graphic on the on the very front page that's like one of the things that we're the most proud of that shows you, here's what the network tab looks like in Remix versus non-Remix, basically. Everything that we're doing in Remix is, that has to go deep in a company, right? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about some API, if you don't appreciate the fact 
fact that not everybody is on an extremely high-powered device on a super fast connection. You're going to make decisions at that point that are going to be detrimental effectively for those people. And so I, I think it's just it's a perspective thing. I'm super privileged and happy to have had the experience and the the perspective that I do have. Because like I said, 10 years ago when I was working at Twitter and we shipped that version of the, I, I wasn't on the team, we meaning Twitter, shipped that completely client-side rendered version of the app that just did not work at the scale that we were operating at. And we, we should have been a lot better than that, frankly. But experiences like that have informed my personal bias. And then experiences like building React Router, building Unpackage. You know, it's funny, we haven't even talked about Unpackage. I built this little thing called Unpackage. It serves about 5 billion requests a day out of the NPM register. And it's primarily script tags. If you go and talk to a developer on Twitter and say, oh, yeah, you know what? The vast majority of the world doesn't actually use Webpack yet, doesn't actually use a bundler. They use script tags and a CDN. They'd be like, what? What are you talking about? It's I true. have my, mm-hmm. you know, I have my thing here that's spaceship that I built. And everybody, <laughs> I thought everybody uses that. It's like, no, no, not everybody uses your spaceship, you know? And so, anyway, just having that kind of perspective, I think it runs deep in the DNA of our company and it shows in our product, I think. Speaking of perspective, I think this is interesting to note. Based on the statistics that I've been able to look up, React, in some circles, is the world, right? If you're not using React, you're not doing web development. That's just the way it is. React is used on 3.1% of websites worldwide. That's it, 3.1%. Now, where this gets more interesting, though, is when you look at the top 1 million sites in terms of traffic, it's used on 14% of those Mm -hmm. top 1 million websites. Then you get into the top 1K of websites in terms of traffic, and it's used on 28% of the top 1K websites. You go to the top 10K websites, it's used on 45% of them, right? Mm. So we're talking about the big sites Mm. that get tons and tons of traffic. That's where React is really used. Now, obviously, this is going to be skewed by Facebook, for instance, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. or other large properties like that that are using it. But it's still interesting to think about. So if you think about it globally, 3.1% of websites are running React. You're like, oh, that's tiny. Like very few. I I realize Mm -hmm. that the number of websites is huge. But still, relative to that, that's small. But then when you kind of peel the layers down and you look at what the top 1 million, 100K, 10K are using, you see that those really big websites are using React. Now, that might lead you to believe, well, React might be a good thing for me to learn as a developer because I can get a job at one of these big websites that needs jobs. Mm-hmm. But it also might make you think, well, that means that React is maybe only really good for these really big websites because they need that kind of appish interactivity. What I like about what you're doing with Remix is you're saying you can take or leave however much of it that you want. In fact, you can make, you can spin up your <laughs> proverbial mm-hmm. developer blog and you can have no JavaScript on it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not about React. It's really not about React. Next describes itself as the React framework. We've we've never said that. We've right. we've always told people we're a web framework. Honestly, the most of the time, the people are going through the Remix docs. Like we're linking off to MDN all the time because right. we're just built on web standards. We're like, oh yeah, you want to know about HTTP caching? You want to know how to make your site fast? Here, go and read about stale while revalidate. Go and read about cache control. Um, yep. you, you know, you want to know about uh, forms. You know, you want to know about data mutations. Check out these different properties, these different HTML attributes that you have on buttons and inputs. And here's how to use an input type hidden, you know, like that's like a lost art, right? For a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, I need Ajax for that. And like, no, no, you can actually, right. you can submit private data in a form. It's supported in HTML. Yeah. Use the platform. And yeah, I, that's abs- the other yeah. interesting thing is I was looking, I don't remember where I was looking, but someone was talking about how you could load UI ahead of time. Like if you know someone's about to click yes, on something, you can load that ahead of time. Ooh. And it's really just a, a link rel prefetch, right? I mean, that's what you're doing. So you really are leveraging the platform rather than writing all this elaborate JavaScript to do the thing. You're saying, no, if if we think they're going to need this, we're going to prefetch this. And and you can only do that if you know how to server render every page. So in Remix, because we started there on the server, it is absolutely trivial. And we are seeing some people building some amazing experience. I'm I'm really excited about this, actually, because you stick a link rel prefetch and you can prefetch any route in a Remix app. And it is a amazing how fast these experiences are. One of my friends, Jamie Kyle, who's a software developer, he's done quite a few stuff. He's worked a lot on Babel. Anyway, he tweeted the other day, he said, hey, the transitions in my Remix app are almost jarring how fast they are. There was somebody who posted a, a Hacker News the other day. They posted a, a Hacker News Remix clone. Oh, God. And and one of the, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> one, of the, one of the top comments, though, in the thread was, is it just me or is this actually faster than the real Hacker News? Mm. Because th- you just throw a couple of prefetches on the 
links. And as you're tapping around, because you can server render every page, the browser's like, you know what? I'm good. I already loaded up all the HTML, already loaded up the scripts. Like it, it, you can build some really cool stuff with that. Well, that's the um, funny thing is the browser platform has amazingly elaborate things yeah. built into it in yeah. terms of caching. And, and I've seen people build these spaceships, as you said, in JavaScript that run yeah. on top of the browser that kind of make it sort of like what the browser could do, but yeah. they just rebuilt the whole thing. It's just yeah. kind of crazy. Well, and, and the thing that's really great too about using the platform is now you can ship less JavaScript. Mm. So on average, Remix will ship 30% less JavaScript than your next JS app, for example. Yeah. And and we include support for mutations, which they're not even doing over there. Like they're not even thinking about it. In the end, I care less about how much JavaScript is shipped and, and some of these things. I care more about what the user experience is like. And I care yeah. more about what the page performance is like for uh, for the user experience, but also for SEO purposes. So, I mean, it's great that you're able to leverage the platform because then you're running native code and a very elaborate system that that does all this stuff for you. Yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. I want to ask you something about Remix. My understanding is that originally you were charging $250 for Remix or $1,000 every year for companies to use this thing. But then something happened. Sounds like someone backed up the money truck or something like that. Hmm. And you had made Remix free open source software. So what happened? Yeah, so that's a great question. We're people. We need to make money to live, put food on the table. We looked at the ecosystem. We were not satisfied. We feel just like probably you can tell you, Andrew, feel like that. And probably a lot of your listeners were not satisfied with, with the current state of things. And we had this big thing called React Router that was being used everywhere. And we had a lot of... I heard you can just put up a GitHub sponsors page and then retire wealthy. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so what we did was we said, you know what, we're going to create a ton of value here for people. And I want to see how many people show up and actually pay for it. And it turns out a lot of people showed up. Nice. Um, we, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying this is the need for, like, a lot of people recognize the need for a good alternative. Well, the, uh, the most validating thing space. about that is you're like, wow, lots of other people have the same problem I have. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so many people showed up though, that I was like, okay, so how are we going to do this? Ryan and I are going to build Remix and we're going to support thousands of people who are using it because at that price point, you make about, even with that level of usage, you make about what you would make at a nice tech job. And so I was like, uh, how are we going to do this? And the other thought that was in my head was what we're going to do here is we're, we're going to build this thing and not everybody's going to be able to use it because it's not open source. So it's not, it's not free for them to use. And they're, they'll probably just go and use something else, which as a result, I really believe that Remix has the ability to make the web a better place to, for, to help lots and lots of people build better websites. So I want as many people to use it as can use it. Um, and I don't want to put up a barrier there. And so what we said was, okay, let's open source it. That's going to allow people to contribute to it. So we've, we were already getting some great contributions. We have, we open sourced it back in November. We already have well over 250 people who have contributed to the code base. Now, a lot of those are docs fixes, but do not underestimate the level of effort that it takes for somebody to actually go through the docs, go to GitHub, manipulate the code and make a PR. That means they're interested. That means they're engaged and they're interested in seeing it succeed, right? So we have over 250 people in just over three months of open sourcing this thing. So there's a lot of contributions that we're getting. Not even um, just that though, documentation. There are so many projects out there that when I approach something new, if the docs are not good, yeah. I will just move on to something else. I think documentation in terms of adoption, as well as one of the things Ryan does is he does training videos. That type of upskilling is so important if you want to have anyone adopt your framework. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to downplay it. I just know that there are developers who would look at something like that and be like, oh, well, most of those are just docs fixes. Right, right. But they're important. Docs fixes are absolutely important. And they're okay, but if you them. if this is open source now, are you going to have to fall back on your old career as an exotic dancer to support yourself or what <laughs> what's going on? Uh, yeah, so it's it's a very straightforward business model, actually. There's a lot of stuff that you'd actually need to build a really great website. So we've taken a lot of time and care with producing Remix. And you can you can bet that we're going to take the exact same time and care and attention to building other services that you're going to love to use. So there's a lot of stuff that you need for your app. You need authentication, you need analytics, you need hosting, you need CDN, you need lots of other things to, to use to actually host it. And, th and then there are various layers at which you can integrate 
great. If you're an old pro and you've been doing this stuff for 20 years and you might say, you know what, I'm good with the quote unquote community edition. I'm going to take this off the shelf. It's all free. It's open source software. I'm going to piece it together myself and deploy to my custom bespoke AWS stack. I'm good. Fine. You don't ever have to pay us. That's fine. There are a lot of people who are not there yet and they want a point and click. They yep. want to have preview deployments and they want to have analytics and they want to have, oh, it's click, point and click and I'm done. And that's totally valid as well, right? And so we're going to build all the services that you need to, to build your web app. We're, we're not ever, one thing I want to make absolutely clear to anybody who's listening here is that we are not ever going to say, hey, Remix is a better place to host your app than your favorite host that your company has already signed a contract with. Because I've been in that situation before where vendor lock-in is no fun. Right. That, that's that's not our MO at all. What we want to do is we want to create a, a really enjoyable experience. We want to provide a lot of value to people who would prefer to use us over the alternatives. But I don't ever want to tell somebody, look, you have to use us in order to get benefit X. I think that's a, I, don't, I just don't like that business model. Well, it's also not great from a growth point of view because you really do want to make it so that people can adopt your thing very easily. They can adopt it for free. Right. And there are also maybe requirements that uh, specific companies have. It has to be on our IT infrastructure. Right. But you want to right. be able to have developers get their foot in the door so that when a client does come along, that will it make sense to leverage some of your services that they can then use it. You want to make the path to them using this thing as flexible and as quick as possible. But it, it sounds like you took on some investment or some VC and mm -hmm. then your your tried and your plan is the tried and true method of we make this thing open source and make money from either the support or services that are adjunct to that in terms of serving it in terms of APIs. I mean, this is what Laravel has done. This is what WordPress has done. This is sort of what everyone is doing to monetize these open source projects. Is they make the thing, and now that you found it's awesome and, and useful, here are some great services that make it even easier for you to use the thing. Is that where we're going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it, it's a tried and true kind of business model that we're after. So it's not, yeah, we're not, I just, I just want to be clear with people kind of where our, our ethos is. We're, we're not out for vendor lock-in. We're just out to provide valuable services that you're going to love to use. Well, Jennifer, you've been using Next and you've been using Strappy recently is something that you've been using. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Remix? Is it something that you might potentially be looking into? Does it kind of hit that sweet spot in terms of giving you the power that you need on the, the front end while still leveraging the platform? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested in trying it. I love the idea of using the actual browser mm. and its capabilities because yeah. it sort of takes me back to, you know, that time when the web was pretty cool and it, you're basically just delivering simple documents with a little bit of flair to people and you didn't crash people's phones. You didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. deliver people's... <laughs> deliver people some white pages. I uh, didn't over-engineer everything. Mm. Like I recently inherited a website that was built as a simple marketing site but on Craft, a CMS mm -hmm. that was built with React oh, yeah. and Redux. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> it looks like that they took a sledgehammer and um, yep. there was a little nail. And I thought, why? Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think this looks like a really interesting technology and I I, I really want to try it. But the problem that I'm having right now is that my brain is full. And mm -hmm. in order for me to do something new like this, I something has to exit my brain. So I'm not I'm not sure exactly what. Like I, I want to look into it a little bit more and figure out what would be the best use case for this. Cause it, do, it does sound like everything. I'm currently using Next.js for pretty much everything for small marketing sites and large sort of dashboard interactive mm -hmm. type apps. And it, it's definitely a wonderful framework, Next Next.js, and I've managed to work around its limitations to be able to do everything. So it would be interesting to know, you know, what's the best use case for Remix, and is it everything? Do you envision that it's going to take over the web, and it should be your hammer because it's so flexible and so minimalist? And maybe it should be, or maybe that's something to be seen. I don't know. You let us know. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. So I want to address the the first thing that you said, which was I feel like my brain is full, and something needs to exit my brain in order to make room for something new. I totally sympathize with that idea because I've, there's so much cool stuff that I want to check out right now that I just, I feel like I just don't even have time to check that out because my brain is full and, and there's only so much time in the day and I want to do other things with my life too.
too. What, the one thing I would say about that is you might actually find some people have said when they come to Remix they and they start using Remix, they'll say, you know, I actually just spend the majority of my time reading through the MDN docs about web stuff. I'm not learning Remix specifically. I'm really just learning the web. Because we're built so close to standards and we try as, as hard as we can to use standard APIs that are already present in browsers, for example, on the server, we try and cut down on the amount there is to learn, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. There's If you go and you build a Remix app and you learn a bunch of stuff, there's probably a lot of stuff that you learn there that you're going to be able to take to any other app that you're where you're not using Remix. So what, there was a there was somebody in our chat the other day who was, yeah, you know, I'm working at my, my day job. I'm not able to use Remix. I just use Remix for fun at night and on the weekends and stuff. He said, but I'm already taking some of the things that I'm learning in Remix and I'm applying them to my existing stack at work and it's making it a lot better. So anyway, just to kind of talk a little bit to that point about, yeah, I, I feel it. We're all on kind of max. There's so much cool stuff out there now that we're all kind of maxed out with, with the ability to learn new stuff. But hopefully the fact that we're building on web standards means there's less to learn. Well, Jen, and something then, that can help you out is something called trepanation. Have you heard of that? No. So it's an ancient technique for relieving pressure in the brain where they would actually bore a hole into your skull oh. to relieve the pressure. You, you bore a couple of those, the old stuff will come out and you got room for plenty of remix stuff to go in. Boom. L- lobotomy, I guess. Not quite a lobotomy. This is just drilling a hole in the skull to relieve the pressure. We're not actually getting in and uh, removing part of your brain. scrambling things in no. there. Okay. Jen, what cool. you should probably do to free up some space in your head is just block Andrew on, <laughs> on your phone and email. It's <laughs> probably the best Everywhere. way. Um, I I wanted to speak. That hurts, Ryan. Oh, I owe you. Well, I mean, what I'm wondering is when you drill the hole, does your brain start coming out of the hole now? I don't think so. Is that the idea that we we have more room for the brain? I think there's just a layer in there and it's supposed to relieve the pressure as if, you know, I don't know, you were off. (laughs) This is an ancient technique. I think there's a reason it's not done anymore. (laughs) You try it and let me know how it goes. (laughs) No comment. So I wanted to speak to the second thing that Jen said, which was, what am I supposed to use this for? Like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to use Remix to build everything? One thing that I like to refer to when I think about this question is uh, there's a developer, his name is uh, Jason Miller. He developed this page. We could probably put it in the show notes. It's about application holotypes. He's the guy who created Preact. And I, I like to go there and just look at it because he talked about like a lot of the different types of apps that you're building. You're either building something pretty basic. Maybe it's good as like a, a marketing page pages or a blog or you're building a social app or like a feed and you know are you building a chat app where it's real time or you're building something that's a full-blown docs editor like google docs like there are lots of different things that people are building on the web and he talks about these application holotypes and he talks about here's probably different strategies that would be good for building these different types of apps some of them are better as just pre-rendered html some of them are better as server rendered stuff some of them are better as a really fat client if i were to take every time i pressed a character in google Docs and send it to the server as a mutation, it'd probably be pretty heavy. So anyway, a fat client is is better in that situation. So this is something that we try to keep in mind when we're building Remix is we want it to be good for a lot of different types of apps. And I think that by not really trying to invent too much, we've really only invented a little bit with Remix. We have a couple of conventions for nested routing, which I think is really, really powerful. I think that's how the majority of web apps are built with these nested boxes in the page. And then having features like with our data manipulation layer with doing things like the automatic refreshing of data so that the, the the data on the page doesn't get stale things like that i think if we just sort of give you these building blocks and we base them on web standards our hope is that it should be easy enough for you to take that and build whatever you want with it we're not trying to prescribe too heavily a certain approach to building things we're not saying oh well you need to integrate everything into your compiler and here's a bunch of plugins gatsby style where you do everything at build time or here's incremental static regeneration, which when really you could do the same thing with a stale while revalidate directive in your cache control header. You know, we're not, we're not trying to prescribe too much. So we're, we're really just trying to give you those little Lego blocks that you can use to build any one of those holotypes. And I, and I know that's, I know how that sounds. People, they always want you to, they they ask you like, well, where does your thing, when does your thing suck? You know, when does your thing not good? Like, tell me, tell me your, be honest with me, show me your, your warts and your failures.
failures. And I'm happy to talk about those, but I really do think Remix is a great abstraction for building just about whatever you want. Because again, we're not trying to prescribe too much. So I know that that, yeah, I, I really do. I'm optimistic that people will be able to build whatever they want with Remix. And, you know, we're, we're exploring lots of different models. Like I said already earlier, we're exploring moving the ability to put your server runtime in a service worker, which should enable the people to build lots of quote unquote offline experiences yep. a lot easier. We've got the server side case handled really well, obviously. We've got the fully client side case that you can do today with just React Router. You can just boot up a Create React app and drop React Router in there. And it's not Remix, but React Router really is the core of Remix. And and so, you know, I think I think we've got you pretty well covered no matter what kind of app you're into with the stuff that we're working on. Well, that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe, tell a friend, drop us a review. We really appreciate it. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. And I'm Ryan Ireland. I'm Jennifer Bloomberg. And thank you for coming on and telling us all about Remix.run, Michael. Hey, thank you guys so much. It's been awesome. music at the end sound weird to anyone for me it starts off slow and then it speeds up but in the recording it's always right yeah no? you guys hear it correct it, it sounded good to me hey you were jason yeah, you're gonna good. say some or, sorry michael you're gonna say something earlier about the the airplane oh yeah about the yeah no i we never we never circled back to that i was gonna say uh sometimes looks can be deceiving right yeah uh because you can you can hop into that airplane uh and and you could find out that like uh, and I know this isn't where you were going with it, but you know, let's say that it looks all duct taped from the outside and then you hop in and it's actually like really nice inside. No, no, no. Um, it, was, it was a piece of garbage. This it is was something. A piece of gar- oh yeah. This is something that actually happened to me. And I actually got into that ex- plane that said experimental and we got up and we flew around and there is, you can use a yoke to control a plane, which is kind of looks like a steering wheel, or you mm-hmm. can use a center stick, which is basically a stick that sits in the middle. And that's what this guy had. And yeah. one time when we're in mid-flight, the guy picks it up and pulls the stick off. He's like, oh, look at this. Like, oh, like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then he stuffs it back into the control. And it was, no, I was That's- deathly afraid for my life. It was not, it was well, not the, good. The only, thing, the, the only thing I was going to say about that was um, lots of people have told us, you know, like, oh, well, next is the thing. And next is battle tested. And next is like, blah, 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 blah. And I want to tell them like, we've been doing this since 2014, like, like react router, like, I, yes, lots of people are building with next. Absolutely. Lots more people are building with react router and have been building with react router for a long, long time. So you might look at remix and think from the outside, ah, this thing seems kind of new. It seems like it's kind of, you know, you got the duct tape on it. There's some warts on it. Um, but what I wanted to say to the people, and I should have said, this is that I think I kind of did is that like we're building on a ton of experience uh, here. So even if it even if it looks kind of risky to you, it might not be as risky as you think it is. Well, what got me interested in is we had Kent C. Dodds on to talk about his uh, Epic React course. So it was yeah, his yeah. opportunity to sell his stuff, and he wouldn't shut up about Remix. It was like, it was like, it was like all he talked about. I'm like, all right, I, I've got I've to look into this a little bit further. But let me stop the recording now. Stopping yeah, we, this recording. We ended up-